evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the M Squared Power Hour. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Joe Matthews, and on the line, as usual, we have Mr. Andy Minton. What's up? And our super producer, Joey Emmerich. What up, what up, what up? And we have a great show for you guys, as always. We have a lot of cool stuff we're going to get into, but before I do that, let me throw this over to Andy so he can get all of the social media stuff out of the way. <laughs> You can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at M2 underscore Power Hour. You can connect with us on Facebook at M2 dot Power Hour. And it's also where you can find us on YouTube if you have not already done so. And we are on just about any um, podcast catcher. Um, even we're, but mainly focus, mainly we're mainly on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Um, just search M2 Power Hour and listen to us. Um, and we're always, you know, we're still waiting on our first uh, rating and review. So, I mean, if you're the first, we might just do something special for you. Yes. I, I may write a rap for you. Even wrap your uh, review. Whatever review you put out there, I'll wrap it. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Does that count if we do it? No, because <laughs> we put our five-star review for us didn't count, so no, it does not count. <laughs> what we got first, Joey? Well, uh, first things first, I think we should talk about big news over in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes got his new deal um, for half a billion dollars. Like, I feel like he's got... Uh, guy off of Austin Powers sitting there in his corner, just like throwing numbers out. How much do we ask? Yeah, half <laughs> a agent. billion dollars. <laughs> like that's what I feel like is going on there. Because I, first off, why is any person worth five hundred million? No, no. Like, that just seems ridiculous to me. It's, 500 million. Yeah, to me it's unreal that athletes make that much money. Like, I can see someone saying, yeah, Peyton Manning probably could have used that much money. Or, or not used, but, like, would have been deserving of that much money. But, my homes? Yeah. But well, the thing it, to look at, and I don't have this information, I wish I could find it, is what is the percentage of the salary cap that's going to be taken up each year by Mahomes' contract. Because even though it sounds like a lot of money, I heard it's a team-friendly contract moving forward, you know, based on salary cap in the future. Okay. Well, my, my thing on that is if they try to trade him. <laughs> They're not going to trade him. <laughs> well, but, but, but my thing is, is what happens if he, if he becomes a bust? Like, he got his, he got his, he got his half a half a billion. Now, now he decides to, to become Cam Newton. I don't think NFL Ooh. contracts are guaranteed. No. Oh, okay. So if they cut him, he ain't, he ain't getting it. I think if they cut him for like so many years, um, they just have dead money against their salary cap. That's why a lot of times you see them keep a player. You know, because they can't afford to just cut him and, and have all that dead money. But I don't know. I just don't see Mahomes regressing. I don't see him as a guy who's going to be like, oh, I got all this money and now let me turn into Johnny Manziel and just be the biggest bust in the NFL. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I, I hope he doesn't. Yeah. But I don't know. As a team, I just feel like you're setting yourself up for it to blow up in your face doing that. Like, it just doesn't seem smart to me. Yeah. Well, especially for a quarterback. Like, I think four years, five years is a really decent amount of time for a, a young quarterback. For for two reasons. One, you know, you're not handcuffed for the next decade if this guy do, is a bust or he, he regresses. And um, two, hey, if he's as good as he says he is, well, guess what? In five years, you're going to pay him, <laughs> you know, again. Right. You know, so well, and here's and here's the thing. Mahomes has shown that 
not only is he electric with while running the ball, I mean, he's pretty good throwing the ball, too. Yes. You know, he's not the most conventional passing quarterback, but he is pretty good uh, at throwing the rock. Because I remember when they played Tennessee in the regular season, he was just coming back from an injury, and he didn't, he couldn't run around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had a really good game. Now, they lost that game, but he still had a really good game through the air. Um, against the Tennessee defense, that wasn't bad. Um, and so he is – I mean, he's, he, he, I, I think he is the best quarterback in the league, and he deserves to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league. I just think the highest-paid quarterback in the league should make a lot, lot less than what he is. So, right. Then an annual $50 million a year. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway. But I will say another good show topic for later would be best busts in the NFL or biggest busts in the NFL. Um, not draft busts, but uh, contract busts. Like, I would just say players that had high potential. Yeah. And okay. I, I, yeah. We can call that episode the Johnny Manziel episode. Oh, I thought we were going to call it the Matt Flynn episode because he got – a $50 million contract off of one football game with the Packers. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We can go way down that path. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. Um, life effect. <laughs> yes. And, but the crazy thing about Mahomes' contract, you know, um, and we can get into whether or not people are worth that much money in another episode, but they're not. have you guys, What's that? <laughs> They're not. not. Oh, okay. Well, I just did. More hot. More hot. <laughs> yeah. <from Andy>. They're <laughs> not. Well, never mind. You know, there goes our our August episode. Um, <laughs> thanks, Andy. <laughs> Tune in no for problem. next week. Hey, they're not. Oh, oh. <laughs> bye. <laughs> um, dude, but in his contract, I don't know if you guys have seen it or, or not. He has a ton of restrictions for what he can and can't do. You know, in order to protect the team's investment. Of course um, he does. Yeah. So if you guys just take a guess, what do you think's on that list? Because I have a couple. I don't have all of it, but a few of it. Can he leave his house? Yes, he can leave the house. Because <laughs> if I'm paying somebody that much money, they better not leave their house. <laughs> is he is he allowed to take out the trash? Um, I don't see that on here. There's some pretty good ones though. Okay. Um. No water or snow skiing. No jet skiing. Surfing, hang gliding, bungee jumping, diving. No rock or mountain climbing. No boxing. No basketball. <laughs> no race car driving as a driver or passenger. Wait, do go-karts count as race car driving? <laughs> I don't see it on here, but I could see them saying yes. Are you racing in a car? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a cart. Ah. Um, no riding a motorcycle. The old Jeff Kent. Um, <laughs> Jeff Kent clause. Um, no motorbike all, or all-terrain or similar similar vehicle as a driver or passenger. So he can't take a razor out in the mountains. Um, no use of firearms. What about a hover around to the Grand Canyon? <laughs> Oh, can't be a passenger in it. <laughs> um, oh, this one's a bummer. No professional wrestling or similar activities. That so he can't go Dennis Rodman on the Chiefs? Yeah, he can't play uh, mispractice with the Chiefs so he can go um, RKO somebody. <laughs> Yeah, or beat somebody up with a steel chair, like Rodman in the... Was it during the playoffs or just regular season he did that? No, it was the playoffs. Yeah. So that's just a couple things. That's not a, the full list, the comprehensive list, but hmm. for the next 10 years, he basically has zero freedom to enjoy... Well, to really enjoy himself. Right. You know? Let, let's be honest. If you look through history, there are a lot of stupid injuries off the field or off the court, like athletes that get injured doing stuff that you sit there and go, why or how? 
Like it has nothing to do with their sport yet. They're sidelined or maybe even season ending injuries from stuff. Uh, and we talked about this off air and we, we've all got a couple, one or two uh, different athletes to talk about uh, uh, stupid stuff they did. There's a, uh... Oh, geez. Uh, Jeff Kent. I don't know if you guys remember him. He was a second baseman for the Giants for years. Played for the Diamondbacks at Dodgers. And um, did he play for the Braves at all? Uh, I think maybe for a little while. I don't know. I I'm not, uh, not really sure. But the guy um, signs a contract and then breaks his arm washing his truck. You know, Or at least that's what he had claimed was that he, he was washing his truck and fell off the tire and, and broke his, his wrist. And then come to find out people had um, taken pictures of him on a highway riding a dirt bike, jumping the highway, popping wheelies, and basically driving recklessly the same day that he broke his wrist washing his truck. So, um, yeah, they, they, he got in some hot water for, <laughs> for wrecking a dirt bike. <laughs> And trying to lie about it. <laughs> yeah. Which, that right there is why Mahomes is not allowed to ride dirt bikes. Right. But, and, and there's there's another one, uh, whether you consider him an athlete or not, I do, but Randy Orton from WWE back in 2015 uh, dislocated his shoulder taking the trash out. And was out from wrestling for six weeks because of taking the trash out. That's which amazing. I would, I will tell you, I would, I would soak that up, and I would, I would use that and milk it for every second I could. <laughs> um, no, I can't take the trash out, babe. I, I my livelihood <laughs> depends on it. We can't, we can't do another six weeks of me not wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine having to have a John, Tommy John because you tore your shoulder up taking the trash out? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the hardest thing, could you imagine going in and telling your your teammates or even your coach, like going into work and saying, yeah, I took the trash out and now I got, got surgery? See, at that point, I would tell people that I wrecked my dirt bike. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a, a, yeah, for him, for Randy Orton. <laughs> Well, what about uh, Sosa? He sneezed and blew out his back. You know? Okay. Like, right before a game, sneezed so hard he had back spasms and couldn't play. <laughs> hey, Uh-oh. that back stuff's no joke. One day I was trying to pick up a basketball, and I've been over, and I couldn't and I couldn't stand up. Oh, really? Yeah. That back stuff ain't no joke. Uh, Joe, true. to answer your question, Jeff Kent did not play for the Braves. He did not? Okay. He played for every other MLB team, but he did not play for the Braves. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, I've got one more for you. Okay. Okay. Um, Lindsey Vaughn. Y'all remember Lindsey Vaughn? Yeah, Down the skier, skier, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. She tore a tendon in her thumb opening a champagne bottle. Opening a champagne? Was yes. it? celebrating a win or just like a random you know it was in 2009 celebrating the downhill championship oh but yeah <gasps> dang man i wonder how close that tenon was to tearing anyways before she yeah pulled. i don't know <laughs> that sucks like yeah i won oh <laughs> yeah but like i just remember like because her and uh that dude's name vody bockham no that's He's a pastor. Um, Rody Miller? No. Rody Miller. Yeah. Downhill, he's a male downhill skier. Yeah, those dudes got me, uh, those guys, uh, those two got me interested big time in some downhill skiing in the Olympics. Yeah. You know who my favorite was? Peekaboo Street. Mm, Just because yeah. that's like the greatest. I mean, A, she was amazing, <laughs> yeah. but that's such a cool name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that was my, my favorite thing of the Winter Olympics was that downhill skiing, yeah. the Super G or whatever they called it. Man, yeah. that stuff is crazy. Hey, here's another good show idea. <laughs> Craziest names in sports. Talking about the thumb, 
and injuring the thumb. There was another uh, big-time big sports athlete. Uh, these are all big-time sports athletes, but this one, probably the biggest name out there even today, Michael Jordan. Lacerated his finger with his cigar cutter. Oh, that's right. And it was when he was trying to he, – he had, again – taken off from basketball it was after his second retirement. So he was trying to get back into golfing at that point. Like Michael Jordan, I you guys can kind of see, I don't know, maybe I'm not trying to flip off the camera, but it's a little bloody right now. I too tried to take off part of my finger recently. Um, I was using a table saw yesterday, cutting some wood and the wood actually like buckled or bucked. I don't know what you want to call it, but my finger ended up going into the side of the saw and um, if anybody is interested in seeing it, message us. I'll be more than happy to send you a picture of my finger. It's just the fingertip. Just lost part of it. Uh, but I will not lie. My heart was in my throat as soon as it happened. <laughs> and um, there's a decent amount of blood, a lot more than I would have expected from just like the small cut that it is. So, of course, I was uh, imagining myself having nine and a half fingers, not you know, nine and 17 eighteenths of, of a finger. <laughs> so, um, so it's pretty cool. Like I'm, I'm like Michael Jordan. Um, neither one of us can palm a basketball right now. Um, <laughs> when it happened, not you, that I could before, but <laughs> like, could you palm a basketball before that? But that's kind of moot though. You know, like the similarities are, we both have cut fingers. Neither one of us could palm a basketball with a cut finger. I remember. And, uh, <laughs> First time I hurt my knee, my doctor, or I guess the last time I hurt my knee, my doctor told me, he said, you're going to have knee surgery and you'll have to, and I mean, he said, you'll get, you know, a lot of mobility back in your knee. I said, well, I'll be able to dunk a basketball. He said, could you dunk a basketball before? <laughs> no, but <laughs> I mean, it's worth a shot, right? Yeah. <laughs> going into MLB coming back. This week, <laughs> which I know we're all excited about, some of the teams have decided to charge people to have a cutout, a cardboard cutout of their face yes. put in the stands for one game? Uh, yeah, for, for a game. So basically, like the Oakland A's and the Angels, the Dodgers, the, well, of course, the Dodgers are a lot more expensive than um, the other teams. But some teams are charging as little as like 69 to 89 bucks and um, to do a cardboard cutout. So you, I guess you just send them a picture, pay them 89 bucks. They stick your cardboard cutout in a seat, you know, somewhere and they have different prices for different areas. And if your cutout gets hit by the baseball, like a home run ball or a uh, foul ball or something, they send you the baseball. So I thought that was pretty uh, pretty interesting. Um, the Dodgers, of course, are charging three hundred dollars for a cutout, whereas like the Angels are charging, I want to say, ninety bucks for a cutout. <laughs> and uh, no, no, I, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> for me, I think it's crazy. Like I wouldn't pay maybe five bucks. I I just, I just don't see the point of it. Like if I really want my picture of me in a stadium, I would Photoshop me standing next to the pitcher, ducking down as the ball's going over my head, <laughs> and then post that all over the internet and be like, look where I was at. Um, then pay money to just have a cut out of me somewhere in the stadium. I, just see, I, I don't know. Seems dumb to me. One, one question I had, though, I thought would be cool. If they could do it, they probably couldn't. But like whatever seat that your um, cutout was in is if you had a live stream from that part of the stadium so it almost looks like you're at the game you know they could pump in noise and and whatnot to make it you know but you'd be able to log in and watch the game from your your section basically you know i thought that'd be pretty cool see i would pay for that yeah as long as you're not in the nosebleeds on the top of the stadium right I'd be, I might even pay for that. <laughs> I'd be sitting there going, I can only afford the nosebleeds. But to get it from a different – because the cool part then would be I could have it on my TV, the actual game, and then have here my own view 
and you're paying like when you're you viewing it from that standpoint, no one else is watching that standpoint except you. So right. like you're getting to watch the game from a unique way that no one else is getting to. Like that's a cool experience. So they start. Did you guys hear that they're going to be pumping in sounds in the stadiums now? They're going to pump in crowd noises for the players. So it actually sounds like there's people in the stadiums versus a quiet, <laughs> a quiet atmosphere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were talking about it earlier today, and, and I was listening to another sports station where they talked about teams are pumping in, you know, music and sounds and stuff, so the players can actually still kind of get the feel of, you know, of playing and the excitement. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of looking forward to the empty. Stadium sounds, so you could hear the pop of the ball in the glove. Oh, that's the best sound in the world. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I wonder if, like, you got some rookie pitcher up there, like, on the visiting team, if they're just going to crank it up, you know, crank it up to 11 to try to get in that dude's head. You know, people booing and... (laughs) Well, it would have to be regulated. Ah, That's a bummer. (laughs) If they're going to do it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. It'll be really weird just not seeing people in the stadiums, not hearing people in the stadiums. Um, Yeah. But you will hear that bat. So you're really going to be able to tell a home run. Yeah. I mean, it'll be like watching a minor league game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but but there's still some noise at a minor league game. Like they're depending on there's still some fans that go to the minor league games, so you'll still hear that sometimes. That's true. Hey, speaking of going to a minor league game and hearing a bunch of noise, um, one of my best friends was in Chattanooga at a Lookouts game when Michael Jordan was playing for the uh, Birmingham Bruins. Barons, 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 Barons. yes. Um, and. So he, he paid to go to the game, and it was bat night. So they gave out those little miniature bats. Mm. Michael set out that game. So you had thousands of kids that wanted to come see Michael Jordan play, bored because Michael Jordan wasn't playing with little wooden bats. He said it was so annoying. Like All they did was beat on chairs. Anything they could with those bats, because they were bored. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Oh, oh, man. That is crazy stuff. I I was at a Dodgers game when um, they threatened to cancel the game because they gave out baseballs before the game. And then an umpire made a bad call, so everybody in the stands decided to throw their baseballs onto the field. And that was not a good day. I kept mine, but <laughs> it was like it was snowing baseballs. And they're like, fans, if you don't stop throwing the games, we're calling it right now. And That's funny. Yeah, they stopped, but it was it was pretty sad. You know what my favorite thing that I miss this season is minor league baseball? Hmm. Like, um, just the crazy gimmicks that they do. Because I remember one night we went to a Smokies game and Wonder Bread sponsored the night. Mm-hmm. And so everybody got a loaf of bread on their way out of the stadium. <laughs> That's awesome. I know, right? <laughs> You're like, sweet, I don't have to stop at the store on the way home. <laughs> so, so you know, that's why I love minor league baseball. Minor league baseball is the best. I mean, where else can you spend? Like, I don't know what they charge in, in at the Smokies, but out here we have the Angels affiliate is like 20, 30 minutes from my house. And to sit right behind home plate is like right at 20 bucks a seat, like 20, 25 bucks mm. a seat. It's or, or not even home plate right behind the dugout, like the yeah. first row behind the dugout, you know? And well, I love the, the fact that you have the chance to see a big name player, like, especially mm-hmm. if they're coming back from injury. Um, when I was a kid, um, we went to the Columbus uh, games a lot of times, and they were the, the, the minor league team for the Yankees. 
Mm. So, guess which big player for the Yankees back in the 90s got injured and decided to play one, or not he decided, but they made him play one game in the minors before coming back up to make sure he was all good to go. In the 90s? Yeah. Well, yeah, late, late 90s. Late 90s, early 2000s. Oh. Derek Jeter? Was it yes. Jeter? It was Jeter, and they gave away three Jeter bobbleheads. And I had a Derek Jeter bobblehead until my brother threw it away when I was at college. Mm. I was not a happy camper. So, can I throw a quick Jeter story out to you? Um, when the Padres played the Yankees in the World Series, I don't know if you guys watched that or not. That was, what, 98? I want to say it was 98, uh, Yankees-Padres. I was one of the people holding the flag on the, the giant flag that covered the entire outfield. Um, I was one of the people holding that at the beginning of the game when they did the National Anthem. Uh, before we went out there, Jeter actually walked down and shook everybody's hand who was holding that flag. And we're all in uniform. I was in my, my dress, you know, my dress whites or no, my dress blues. Cause it was October and uh, Jeter actually came through. No other players did it. A few walked by and like patted us on our backs, whatever, but Jeter shook everybody's hands. Just like, Hey, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. And it's like, Holy cow, that's Derek Jeter. And then we walked on the field, did our thing. And then as he was running by, he was like patting people on the back with his glove. I mean, so cool. And for being that superstar, you know, the captain of the Yankees. And he was just like, hey, man, thank you guys. You know, I appreciate what you do for us in the country. And yeah, so after that, I'm like, okay, I like Jeter. Before that, I was kind of, he was a Yankee, so I could have cared less. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure what about your story is more unbelievable. Hmm. That Derek Jeter shook all their hands or the Padres made it to the World Series. (laughs) Yeah, well, you can choose. <laughs> I do remember that. I do remember the Padres playing the Yankees in the World Series. Yeah. But speaking of seeing um, superstars in the minor league, I saw John Smoltz pitch his last inning of baseball at a Smokies game. Oh, really? Yeah. Man. That's, you know what, talking, talking about that, I, I think that reminds me of something in our faith segment. Um, one of the big things in faith and in in like in my belief in my relationship with Christ is remembering one of the last things Christ did. Because uh, I mean, it's great to remember back to guys' last days, last game, last inning pitch. Uh, we've talked in the past about Michael Jordan and his end of his career and just seeing the end. But Jesus did something towards the end where he did something called the Last Supper, which today we call communion. And it's all about coming together and you take this bread and juice or wine, whichever, um, and you eat it and you drink it and you do it to remember what he did on the cross for us and the sacrifice he made. But the big thing I, I think I think we need to talk about is a couple questions that kind of get thrown out there that a lot of people don't really know what communion is all about. Like, they know we take communion, and they know it's to remember Jesus. But, like, communion's a really significant thing. Um, I mean, there's scripture that talks about not taking communion lightly. If you look in 1 Corinthians, it's all about don't, don't just approach communion as another time to just eat food. Communion is something serious. So I wanted to, to kind of pick your guys' brains and just throw out there. All of us just kind of can uh, conversate or have a conversation about what is communion? And, like, what's the importance of communion? Why do we do it? Well, we do it to remember the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross and also as we look forward to his his returning.
Okay. But, but let me ask you this. Like, I didn't know what else to say. I mean, that was... <laughs> well, yeah, but is there is there more to it? Because, like, is it just you do it individually? Like, is communion just a you and God thing? Or is it a church thing? Like, is it a community thing or a communal idea? Or is it just... I do whenever I eat bread and drink juice, I do this to remember God. I I do this to remember what Jesus did and look forward to when he comes back. Yeah. um, I believe it's a corporate worship thing. Um, And I mean, we can talk about that, you know, and I know that through this pandemic, a lot of churches have uh, done it virtually and things like that. Um, And to me, when I read scripture and specifically the passage that Joey was talking about in first Corinthians chapter 11, uh, I mean, Paul insinuates very strongly that this should not be taken lightly. Um, and, um, and just, and some of the things he said, and, I'll, and I mean, I'll read the passages, uh, first Corinthians 11, 27 through 32 is what I'm reading says, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be, will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you and many are falling asleep. If you if you are properly judging yourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. It's very strong wording, in my opinion, from Paul. Uh, and I think um, when we take it corporately and when it's done properly, in my opinion, uh, and the table is fenced properly, um, meaning that the pastor or the person leading uh, communion, um, you know, speaks about, you know, examining your heart. And if you are, you know, because if you are holding a grudge against your brother, you shouldn't take, you know, there are certain, certain things that, you know, if you're not right with in, in the right relationship with those around you, if you have um, envy or malice in your heart toward another brother, you're not to take this. And I think if we get to where we're taking it uncorporately, then it's very easy to overlook some of the mandates that are put in Scripture about who should and should not take it. Um you know, even if believers or unbelievers, um, and I'm not saying that if an unbeliever takes communion, it's on the pastor who's leading communion. But um, if you're taking it as a family, is whoever's leading it going to fence the table properly to put those mandates out there that this is who should and should not take it? And because ultimately it's up to the person who is taking it. Um, but still, it should it should be stated each time we take it, who should and should not take communion. And, it's, and like I said, it's not just believers and unbelievers. Like if you, um, if you are, like for instance, there's a, when, uh, probably a couple of years ago, we were taking communion at church and I did not participate because... I had issues with somebody else in the church and I had not had the opportunity or taken the opportunity to speak with that person about those issues uh, before. And so I chose to withhold communion because I was not in the right frame of mind to take communion that day. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what you said there is the person leading communion. It is, it is on them to put that out there 
because I think a lot of times you get into a situation where someone gets up and I, I don't know about you guys in the Church of Christ Restoration Movement churches, there is this, you do communion every week, but it is almost like you have to make communion special or put a special twist so that people don't get bored of communion every week. Hmm. Um, because people try to jazz up and will do different things and like they, they try to get creative with how they present communion. And I think what Andy said before, we, we need to approach communion not in a way of, well, how do we make this more fun or how do we, we need to approach communion of this is something serious. Mm-hmm. This is us remembering what Christ did and reflecting. Like, like you said in there, there's a reflection on the body. There's a reflection on why did Christ do this for me? Because I've messed up. And it brings a humility to us and helps us right. realize we are we are not perfect and we're dependent on God. And that's why I like taking communion every week is because for me, approaching it that way, not only does it make me focus on the body of Christ as a sacrifice, but also the body of Christ as the church, that it humbles me to go, I'm not, I can't do this on my own. I'm not saved because of me. I'm saved because of Christ. And I I can't do what Christ intended me to do without the rest of the church and those around me. Like, that's why I think it is important for corporate. Um, I do. I know we might not see eye to eye always on the what's considered corporate worship or not corporate worship. Um, For me, if because things things are different now than they were a hundred years ago, uh, let alone thousands of years ago. When you look at it like that, I sit there and go, okay, I, I can communicate and like, we can pray and talk and do a devotion together on zoom, on Skype, Facebook, whatever. Is that, is that not coming together? even though we may be thousands of miles apart, does that not mean we're not coming together to worship God or to honor God? And so so for me doing it, but making sure we're still doing it with a, with a right and holy, righteous and holy approach to communion. Um, And this goes down a totally different path, but I, I, during this whole COVID thing, I, I was a big proponent of on Sunday morning, when you get up, still go take your shower, get dressed, treat it special, because this is your time coming before God to worship God. If you're doing it online, this is your opportunity to do this. Don't just make it like Saturday morning cartoons sitting there in your pajamas. Like for me, it was, I need to make sure and treat this like it is. And even with communion, when we take communion, we need to make sure that we are, aren't just doing it as a a passive, well, the pastor said take communion. So now it's time to take Mm -hmm. communion. Um, It's like Andy said, it is something very serious and I think it needs to be taken seriously. Um, But I think, how it's taken, like how it's done can be done in different ways. Like I, I don't, let me, let me ask you guys this and Joe for you, do you think as a, as a father, if your family wanted to do communion, does there need to be a pastor in the room to do communion? Um, me personally. Uh, but then again, like I've, I've gone to school for it, but that's a tough one because if I say no, because in, in my heart, like I feel like I could lead my family in doing communion, you know, because of, you know, the time and everything I devote to church. But the per- whoever's leading it has to be 
in like and it has to be able to set it up correctly. We can't just be like, hey, we're taking communion today. Here's some juice. Here's some bread, and not know um, what they're doing because it's more than because I think some people do approach communion like you know uh, like offering or you know, hey, this is something we do on Sunday, um, or like some of the churches, you know, you sit, stand, kneel, pray the entire service, you know, like 50 times when there's it's just part of the service. Um, but I think if a father wants to lead his family in communion, as long as he's doing it the right way. And they understand that this is a fellowship with God, that what you're doing, like you said, it's that serious, importance, fellowship, communion with God, uh, you know, and, and recognizing what Jesus did for us. Um, I think a father could lead it, you know, and it might not be in church, but that's how I, I me personally, I would view it. But is that something I would do every weekend? No. You know, it would be like right now where we can't be gathered into church and if we're you know, we're broken away from the church for so long and we haven't done communion corporately. I would personally take it upon myself to do it at home with my family, but I wouldn't take it lightly. Like, Hey guys, we're going to do communion today. And, and you know, I, I'd have to totally look at and pray even, you know, clear my heart before I did it, you know, because communion is important. It, like I said, it's fellowship with God. It's not just, you know, something we do on Sundays. So um, so yes and no. <laughs> okay. That's the, the answer. Andy, what about you? What are your thoughts? I mean, I mean, could I lead communion for my family? I mean, absolutely. Should I? That's another question. I would say no. Because... I think in any time you read in scripture, it's not a family thing. It's a corporate body thing. I mean, even even though they were, I mean, and I've heard the argument, you know, well, they didn't meet at the church, you know, house churches. I said, but they were still meeting together. Um, and um, and so I don't know. It's just to being that together. And I know a lot of churches are doing online. Uh, because virtually we're together, but um, as somebody who values the togetherness of corporate worship, um, I have watched a service on Sunday every week of the quarantine, and I don't feel connected to anybody. So... I mean, I don't feel like we're together. So therefore, I would say that, no, that at this time, we should not be taking communion together. We should not be taking communion because we're not together. We're not gathered corporately. Well, let me ask you you this, because I know your situation is a little different than some other people's situation. Uh, Because you're not really connected with a church. Um, if you were connected, like for me, when our senior pastor gets up and does that, I feel connected um, because I know other people. And like, I talk to other people during the week about the sermon. So like, I know that I'm connected with them while I'm doing this. So for me, there's a difference there because I already do feel connected um, in doing that. So I feel like we're doing it together even though we're separate if that makes sense yeah well the last couple of weeks yeah. we have um we have been participating online with a church that uh i went to for a long time growing up and so i mean many of the people there that i still know and so even even though even if i don't go there every week when i go i still feel apart does that make sense yeah mm-hmm. um and like the last several weeks we've been participating online and I can go there and feel connected. Um, I have many friends and family that attend there and are members there. Um, but even watching online, I'm not connected. Um, and so, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but I don't think if I was regularly connected with the church, even right now, I th- I, my answer would still be the same. 
Well, and I want to preface what we're talking, like what we're talking about now for anyone that's listening. This is not in the Bible, like whether you connect online or in person, this is all just our speculation. Um, And I I really want to, there's a verse out there that talks about, it's talking about eating meat uh, served to idols. And in some ways, you might find doing this a certain way is sinful, and others might find it not sinful. Um, so there are some things that, like Andy and I, we might not agree on it, but I'm not going to sit there and go, well, because Andy's not doing communion every week with his church, he's not going to heaven. Like, I'm not going to judge him on that. And Andy's not going to sit there and judge me on doing communion uh, over the Internet. Like, that's, that's not well, what this is all about. Well, he might, but, <laughs> but, but this is one of those things that you've just got to pray about it. And if you convicted one, feel convicted one way or the other, follow that conviction is, is what I want to encourage you on that. Um, and really, the most important thing you should be convicted in all of it is, are you making communion about what communion is about. Are you making it about Jesus? Are you reflecting? Are you focusing on the right things? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that whether you do it online or in person, um, if you're not doing that part first, it doesn't matter where or when you're doing it. If you're not focusing on Jesus first, then you're messing it up from the get-go. Like you're missing the point of communion. Mm-hmm. Um, because my, my favorite thing of whenever you talk to someone about getting baptized, especially the, not as someone, but talk to little kids about getting baptized, their main reason is because I want a little snack while we're in the middle of church. I, I want to I get those. And it always cracks me up once the kid finally gets old enough to get baptized and they get it and you go, so what'd you think? Was it a good snack? Man, those crackers were stale. And so it's not about the snack. It's not about even eating. It's about remembering and and putting yourself in a humility aspect. I think is really the big key of it is remembering who's in like who's who's in doing it all. I have a question for you about communion. Okay. Can you, should you use leavened bread for communion? Because if you remember, the bread that would have been broken at the Last Supper would have been unleavened bread because they were celebrating Passover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Because that's... Because... It's not really talked about mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Um, and the one question I would I would ask there would be... Because it talks about they were breaking bread daily in the New Testament. Like whenever they got together, they were breaking bread and it wasn't a custom of theirs to make unleavened bread all the time. Um, unless all of a sudden it became a custom. Like it, but it's never talked about. But uh, did they have, I mean, but did they have unleavened bread for that particular part of their meal? Well, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Though. They'd have to make unleavened bread right. for that particular part. Right. And I but don't, I don't have a right. I mean, I don't think yeah. there is a right answer to this question. I would say go with unleavened bread. But that's just my thoughts. Yeah. I. I. I think unleavened bread goes more into the idea of breaking the bread, like like the body aspect of it, 
Yeah. Good eleven bread. Um, but again, I think that's more of a conviction thing. Okay. What about? Because I know we have different listeners, and so I've got a couple of questions just of different. What about different modes and methods? Like, because I know when we were at Johnson, uh, when we took communion there, we were all we always dipped the bread in the juice. Thoughts? Um, sounds right now. It sounds like best way to pass Corona, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. Um. But I, I, I think that's a. I think the idea of what communion is supposed to be is it's supposed to be a communal aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, if you go to sit down and eat dinner as a group or as a family or it's like a community aspect, you don't break the bread and pass it to the next person. And then everybody take their cup and pass the cup around the room. Like that's one of those things that that's the way they may have done it back then. But that's not how you do it now. Like it's is I I don't think that's necessarily the idea is when you break the bread, like when you take the bread, you're supposed to remember him when you drink the juice, because actually it never says that Jesus dipped the bread in in the wine. No, I mean, it doesn't say, no, I mean, I think if you read it, it insinuates that he didn't. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just asking, because there, you know, just because there are different modes and methods of taking it, um, you know, and you talked about, you know, taking it every week is a thing in the restoration movement. Like, and I grew up Southern Baptist, and so we do it quarterly most of the time. Um, but I know a lot of Reformed Baptist churches that do it every week. Um, you know, and I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Like, I, you know, I. I think through things a little bit differently. Like I think, um, like in my opinion, if I was a pastor, I would set one Sunday aside each month um, for baptisms. And on that day, we would also take communion. So not like a weekly thing, but more of a monthly thing. Um, that way the first thing or the first service that a baptized believer is part of is a communion service. I think there's something special for that. Um, you know, and cause I, I'm, I'm a big fan of when you're baptizing people, like if you have four people in a month that you're baptizing, why not baptize them all on the same Sunday and have a bigger celebration than like spread those out once a week. Um, you know, I just, you know, things that are thinking through, that, that's the way I would do it. Like, I'm not opposed to doing it every week. Um, I'm not opposed to baptizing somebody every week. Um, like, if we had 52 people saved in a year and they were baptized every once a week, one person a week, I'd be thrilled. Um, but just my thoughts, just something to think about. Yeah, I agree. And I think... In that thought process, I think one thing, because a lot of people will say, well, the Bible says to do it this time, or the Bible, actually, if you look at Christ's commandment of it, he just said, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So there's not really a set time or amount of times or even do this every time you get together. Like it was, whenever you do this, just do this in remembrance of me. Um. So I think that's the that's the important part is why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. And if if you're doing it every week and you're keeping that the important part, I think awesome. If you do it once a month, awesome. If you do it once a year, do awesome. it more. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I, and I think the question too when you do it like that when you start going well you we only do it this or I only want to do this. Why? What's 
what's the why are you doing communion like why are you only doing it once a month why are you only doing mm-hmm. it once a year why are you doing it every week like what's the purpose of it because and i think it, it again it comes back to the heart like why are you doing right. it what's right. your purpose what's your reason yeah well and a lot of people when they talk about doing it every week um it goes back to uh, in acts when the early church fathers were together or when the apostles were together, they broke bread. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of people get about, you know, doing it every week and that we should do it every week. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are some bad theologies out there about communion. Um, but I mean, I think as long as ultimately, I think, you know, whatever you do, as long as you are taking it in the right mindset um, and you are obedient to scripture when you do it. I don't think you, you have a problem. Um, I mean, cause we could get into open communion, closed communion. I mean, there are a lot of things that we could get into, um, you know, right. But yeah, I have a funny story about communion. If y'all want to hear it. Before we pray. Okay. So I had, um, for one of my classes at Southern, I had to go, uh, I had to write a, um, I had to go to and write a, basically a summary or a paper on a liturgical service that was outside of our uh, denomination. Uh, And so I went to the Catholic Cathedral here in Knoxville. Uh, you know, they do communion every week after the service. They line up, they take it. Um, and if you're not a Catholic, um, you can go to the priest or elder or deacon and you can get a blessing during the communion time. But if you're not a believer, but if you're not a Catholic, you're supposed to put an egg, your hands over an egg across your chest so that you telling them that you're not taking communion. Well, I went up there like this. I mean, I thought this was a prominent enough X in my, over across my chest. Well, the deacon that was there just kind of held it out and shoved it in my mouth. I was like, <laughs> the cracker. I was like, um, well, and so the friend I went with, he grew up Catholic. He's like, dude, you weren't supposed to take it. I said, I know I didn't. He, he made me. <laughs> So, so does that mean you're Catholic now, Andy? Did they? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> and I don't mean that to say all Catholics are bad. Like I have friends that are Catholic. I love. There's a lot of things about the Catholic Church that I really like. Uh, there's a lot of things about the Catholic Church I don't really like. Of course, to be fair, there's a lot of things about the Southern Baptist Church I don't like. So um, I mean, <laughs> so it's not just a, a Catholic thing. But no, I couldn't. Um, yeah. No, I couldn't do that. I couldn't make that step. Hmm. Well, I think we're going to come to the end of our show. And again, we want to encourage you, if there's more you'd like to know about communion, reach out to us on any of our social media stuff. Um, And we would love to talk to you more, even if it's not about communion. If it's about Christ, if it's about your faith, our faith, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, And even if it's just you need prayer about something, we would love to pray for you. Uh, Because one of the big things that we want this to be is we don't want it to just be us three guys getting on and talking. We want it to be a community with all of you that are listening also. So when we talk about community, we don't just mean sports fans, but we mean Christians. And we want to fellowship with you and know what you're going through and be able to pray for you and be there for you also. So please, if there's anything you need to talk about or want to talk about, we're here for you. We'll pray for you. Um, we're, we're, we're part of your community. So we want to encourage you with that. And we're just going to go ahead and Andy, you want to close out with prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have to come together around you know come together for something that we love in sports 
and, um, and ultimately, uh, something you know, because because our love for you, um, and I pray that you know through this time with uh, what we're going through as a country, and not just the pandemic, just the other things that are um, that that are ailing our country, that we um, as the church uh, can be a light uh, into a world that desperately needs you, into a country that desperately needs you. Um, you are our source of hope. Um, you are the only thing um, that will last um, past anything that we have here on earth. Um, and, uh, and Father, I pray for those um, those believers that are going through struggles um, and trying to determine, you know, what because church looks different now and, um, and things are uh, things are not normal. Things are not the same. But I pray that they prayerfully seek you as they uh, determine uh, what is appropriate to do as a church at this point. And ultimately, it's not about uh, doing things. It's about our heart behind the things that we do. Um, and, uh, and Father, I pray that we continue to search after you and, and seek your heart and um, in the relationships that we have with others. And, and ultimately in the relationship that we have with you. Um, again, I just I pray that you move in our country um, and that the church can stand up and, um, and lead uh, in a time where we need, we need leaders um, in our country. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.